Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 150. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to welcome today's guest, Michael Beesmeyer. Michael, are you feeling unstoppable today? Bro, I'm ready to go. I've had a big old cup of coffee. I'm definitely unstoppable. All right, let's do this. Uh, Michael has been working in various capacities in the restaurant industry for over 22 years now. Along the way, he has developed a skill set in new media that is specifically tailored to the service industry. Additionally, he is the founder of Swerver LLC, which has a purpose of shifting social for both employees and guests. Michael, this is a super aerial view of who you are and what you're all about. I can't wait to learn more um, from your stories, from your experiences, your advice. But before we do that, before we tap into your mind, I need to get a success quote to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling. What do you have for us today? Absolutely. Yeah, this is more of a mantra. It's, uh, you know, to train your mind to see the good in every situation. Oh, man, I love it. And I just, to me, the one word screams out, and that's optimism. Talk to me about why that's so important. Well, I think um, we're all pretty good at, at recognizing when something's happening to us that, that feels negative and it, it feels like a burden and it feels like a weight. And I know, you know, a few months ago I sprained my ankle during service and I had to miss a couple of shifts. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be off my feet for a month. I'm not going to be able to work. I, I very quickly was able to see how how this could negatively impact me. Mm. But what I didn't, what I didn't recognize and what I wish I could have seen quicker was it was giving me an opportunity to get off my feet, to slow down a little bit, to assess where I was, to maybe spend a little bit more time with my family, just to slow down. We live in a fast paced world. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I think just being positive is so important in this industry. Um, Just whether you're attracting, trying to attract good people to work for you or just to have uh, that you know, circle of positivity around your restaurant. Just to, I mean, the, what you put out is what you get. And I think we can learn a lot from that quote. Sure. Awesome. So tell us more about you, Michael. I mean, what's your role in the industry? Like, how did you get into it? And when did you know that this was going to be more than just like a summer job for you and you're going to make it your career? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, just to take your listeners back into my own personal history, I was born in Indiana and my parents, um, very quickly after, uh, after I was born, decided to move to Silicon Valley, and I lived in Los Gatos until I was three. They got a divorce. My mom moved back to Indiana, and my dad moved to San Francisco. And so I would split time on um, school year in Indiana and summers and Christmases in, in San Francisco. And so, you know, my earliest memories of, of flying out to see my dad in, in the Bay Area um, often included being you know being picked up at the airport and then immediately driven downtown into San Francisco to either Chinatown or some you know four star uh, restaurant and just getting out of uh, getting out of the car walking out of the parking garage onto the sidewalk and and being hit you know full force in the face with the smell of garlic and roasting duck 
and just the if you've ever been to San Francisco, you might not be able to imagine this, but there are more you know restaurants per capita practically than than there are residents, and so the smell of food and uh, the romance of that city, you know, coming from Indiana and in the same day, you know, it was so um, powerful for me and it's such a huge part of my DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and restaurants are like in my in my bones. Um, and again, from a very young age, have, have been a magical place uh, where almost every good thing in my life has come from from a restaurant. I met my wife in a restaurant. Um, she was a uh, she was a customer, <laughs> and um, I've I've networked in restaurants. I've I've met you know business partners and and lifelong friends, and so I just I'm in, I'm in continual awe of of of, re- of the restaurant. Um, I love it, man. A great story. So, I mean, was there one moment? I mean, you said you you went to San Francisco with your dad. You're from the Midwest, and this was just a totally different experience for me. So, when you got there, like maybe when you got your first job in the industry, like what was it that just sucked you in and just made you know? You know, what was it? What aspect of the industry made made you fall in love? Sure. You know, uh, I don't think I knew it at the time, but it was the there are many years that I was a waiter where I, I actually didn't really enjoy it. I kind of fought it, and I, I didn't recognize the opportunity that it was giving me to pursue other things in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that you can walk into a restaurant, clock in, work for five or six hours, clock out, and leave it all behind, there are very few jobs that have that, that afford that luxury. Um, and, you know, I was talking the other day with the with the co-owner of a big restaurant out in, on, on the coast in Half Moon Bay. This guy works, you know, seven days a week, and you know he takes two days off. And I, but he's literally working all the time. His phone is always going on. He can never, he can never turn it off. Mm-hmm. I guess the the point that I recognized that I uh, that I would be in this industry and I would make serving work for me was when I I noticed that it was giving me the opportunity to pursue other things. Um, no, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. It can open up so many opportunities. It can definitely bring you down roads you wouldn't have otherwise known about uh, just because it's a, it's a communal gathering place of different professions, people coming. Um, you can really prove yourself you know, to other people. Like you said, you met your, your wife, long-time friends, business partners. Um, so I could totally see where you're coming from with that, just opening the door to opportunities. And I think that's one of the things I love about the industry too because you're meeting so many new people all the time. It's just really uh, great stuff. So let's find out more about you and what you're doing now or, or maybe how your career as a server. And you're my second server. Uh, Policy Pause told me to you know connect with you, and I need to get more servers on the industry. That's such a huge part of the industry, but they don't really get that uh, respect. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, before I say anything, obviously a huge shout-out to Paul, Paul Paz, um, a great friend. Uh, I consider him a mentor, someone that I can call up and just rap about about the the front of the house side of, of service, and the person that recommended me for this show. So thanks to him. <laughs> um, so I was part of a restaurant opening about five years ago, and um, if you've never been part of a restaurant opening, I I highly recommend it. But I also uh, a, a, you know a word of caution: it's possibly the hardest thing you'll ever do in the restaurant industry. <laughs> um, you know, I was part of a, a group of maybe 30 ser- servers that were hired, um, to open this spot. And within three months, there were only three of us left. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, when you open a restaurant, 
hiring servers is like the last thing that they do because, you know, they can't be paying you um, when you're not when, – when the restaurant's not actually operational, you can't have hired uh, employees on the clock. You know, you have yeah. to have revenue coming, coming in. So anyway, um, you know, I was part of this restaurant opening and – I immediately uh, recognized the huge, the huge opportunity, huge need for um, for product knowledge to get all of these servers up to speed on the menu, the service style, the wine list, and so without even asking, I created a um, a private social network for all the servers where I started to to collect all of the menus, the menu information. Uh, uh, information about food allergies. I was taking pictures of all of the dishes, and I just kind of um, found an opportunity to to, to share my skill set. And you know, the owners were so impressed. They came to me and they said, "Hey, you know, we we are going to be having a Facebook page and a Twitter feed. Would you be interested in helping us with that?" And uh, they gave me they gave me a job, and I instantly um, doubled my income um, from you know waiting tables to now getting paid a monthly rate to run their social media. That was five years ago. And I'm just, you know, they're, they're my biggest client now. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, it just goes to show what can happen when you take the initiative to live intentionally and to create your own opportunities. Um, yeah. I think, think that's just a really awesome story and a great angle you just gave us. Well, if your listeners want to kind of dig deeper on that, there's a great book by Seth Godin called Lynchpin. Mm. you know, and a lynchpin is, uh, in, within an organization, it's that person that provides a service or, or a role that you know it would be very hard to replace you if you were to leave. Mm-hmm. And that's, I try to be that person wherever I am. I mean, and that's just by sharing that that unique part of myself that most of my fellow servers don't have. Mm-hmm. And. Awesome stuff, man. I love it. So um, let's talk about you now. Let's learn a little bit more about, unless I'm cutting you off. Do you, is there anything else you want to add to that, Michael? No, man. Go All with right. Me. So let's find out more about you, Michael, and find out uh, what your it factors are. I mean, if you could contribute your char- like three characteristics or three habits you have that you think most you know lead into why you're successful in this industry, what would they be? Well... Before I say anything, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, th- th- this is an ongoing process, and I'm constantly growing and evolving, and I have by no means mastered these things yet. But I would say, you know, being fearlessly creative and um, open-minded and curious, um, coupled with empathy and humor, and you know, those three things uh, where I really shine. But having said that, you know. I've been a server for many years now, and I have a solid technical uh, foundation. Um, the mechanical aspects of service I have down. So when I'm on the floor um, opening a bottle of wine, for example, I'm not focused on opening the bottle of wine anymore. That's just like muscle memory. I'm able to, to allow my personality to come out in those moments. And that's, I think, where a great server is set apart from, from people that are just getting started in this industry. You can tell you can tell when someone is new and green because everything that they're doing table side, uh, they're so focused on whether it's crumbing or clearing a table. You can maybe see a little furrow in their brow or uh, their face isn't you know lit up because they're so focused on getting it right, not dropping plates mm. or breaking a cork or you know whatever it might be. Once you once you 
invest the time and energy into getting those skill sets down, you can then become the person that your that your manager uh, hired you to be. Mm-hmm. With, you know. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love it, and I think uh, that's just you know, I love that you were talking about like. I think sometimes we get too caught up in the technical side of things and doing things a certain way. At the end of the day, people come to our restaurants because of who we put in our restaurants. So I just love that you put emphasis on letting your personality shine through. And you're likely in that role because the way you made whoever was interviewing you feel when you first met them. They're hiring hiring you for that personality. So, yeah, I mean... Let it shine through, and that's just, I mean, I'm kind of probably beating that to death a little bit too much right now, but I like where you're going and what you're giving us. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Eric. All right, so uh, for it factors, I have written down uh, your fearless creativity, your empathy, and it's that ability to let your your personality shine through, uh, uh, you know, between all the technicalities that are involved with the role as a server. So are there any other it factors you want to lay on us? Sure. I just want to, um, well, emotional intelligence, EQ, Mm. you know, waiting tables does have some element of, of IQ, you know, um, again, going back to the mechanical aspects, the technical parts of service, uh, menu knowledge. I've worked with some people that are extremely bright that are, you know, wickedly smart with the wine list, um, but have very low to little emotional intelligence and empathy. And I think at the end of the day, that's where, that's where service, you know, service is energy. You're dealing with elemental stuff, food, family, uh, people that are there to celebrate. You know, this past weekend in my, in my restaurant was uh, Stanford graduation week. And I had this one table, um, where this, this girl, this woman had just completed four years at Stanford and her parents were so proud. They ordered a bottle of champagne. They had this amazing gift to give to her. There were tears in all of their eyes. Now, if I'd come to the table and just simply opened that bottle of, of, of sparkling wine and rattled through, you know, the, the specials without like really engaging and recognizing the, the, the absolute like magic of that moment, I would have missed out and I wouldn't have facilitated a great um, experience for them. So mm-hmm. I had to kind of soften myself. I had to sort of, you know, dim my light just a little bit to let them experience that moment of toasting one another. I had to be a little bit quieter as I cleared the plates. That's emotional intelligence. And that kind of thing, I think, can kind of set or elevate um, the good servers from the great. Absolutely. And I think you kind of tap on that a little bit, too, when you mentioned your your empathy. That is a huge uh, part of emotional intelligence, being able to get in sync with those around you and literally be able, being able to move from one attitude to the next attitude, depending on whose table you're at in a given like minute. Cause you, you're constantly adapting to all of your tables at once. And I mean, it takes extreme emotional intelligence to be able to do that. And if you're interested in learning more about emotional intelligence, I know Daniel Goleman has an incredible book called emotional intelligence. That's totally worth checking out. Uh, it's on audio too. And, um, I know, you know, the power of audio cause you had mentioned you're a huge fan of podcasts, but you oh, gotta yeah. check that book out. Another book uh, by Goldman is primal leadership. It's kind of the, the prequel or the sequel to emotional intelligence. And that's, uh, Another fantastic resource for your listeners. Primal leadership. Awesome. I'm writing that down right now. Thank you. So 
you just shared a story with us and how your if factor of emotional intelligence really shined through. I mean, can you think of any other stories that you had in mind that you wanted to share with us um, where one of these other if factors, whether it's your fearless creativity or your empathy or um, that, uh, I mean, I think we... I think we're good there. Do you want to share anything else? Um, well, I could just maybe tell you how I how I developed. Um, I mean, there was a time when I really struggled with with everything that I've just described for you, and sort of being in a place now where I feel like I'm kind of I'm, I'm operating on all cylinders, and I feel very comfortable within the restaurant. There certainly were a number of years where I didn't feel that way, mm-hmm. where I really struggled, and um, you know. One thing that I've that I've had to, to be mindful of is just working with with people who are at different stages in their life, uh, coworkers who don't have that that mindset of um, of being empathetic or being uh, tolerant or having patience. Um, you know, one area of the restaurant, this, the server station where we all go to put in our orders, I call it skunking the station. You'll have someone <laughs> who will come back from a table where they're obviously struggling and. You know, they start muttering under their breath, all sorts of, uh, you know, obscenities and profanity. I mean, it's, in one way, the server station is, is a place to let off some steam, and I do get that, and we all do it from time to time. But there are some people who really take it to a whole other level. And so uh, I guess I would say I would encourage your, your, your listeners, if you are food servers, just recognize that the server station could also be a place where you, you know, you pump people up. Mm-hmm. You turn to your, you know, your fellow server, and you say, "Hey, man, is there anything I can do for you? Um, how's it going over there? And whatever you, got, whatever you can do, just like help people snap out of it if you can, because there's nothing worse than going over to, to put an order in and have the guy next to you just going off about a table, and then you have to kind of gather yourself and get that game face, as Paul Paz calls it, back on the smile, the charm, whatever it is, and go back out onto the floor. So just, just remember that, yeah." Awesome stuff, and I love how you talk about skunking. It's one of my favorite parts of the book. Uh, Danny Myers talks about in Setting the Table when you just that energy you have, you can literally walk into a room and just it's effect it's it's, it's infectious and Absolutely. You, it goes both ways: negativity, positivity. So if you can just just say to yourself when you when you feel a negative moment coming on, just you know stub it out as fast as you can and then hit a switch. And that's one of the coolest things about being human being is we have the ability to literally decide if we're going to be happy or angry. We can make the decision. We can, and Daniel uh, Goldman talks about that, you know, like you can make that decision, tap into that frontal lobe and just be positive. And so many good, better things will happen as an outcome. I mean, you know, you know, it's interesting, Eric, restaurateurs will spend hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars on renovations, capital improvements, making their restaurant look... I mean, think about a, a Michelin star restaurant or two Michelin star restaurant. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, fixtures and, and silverware and plateware mm. and artwork and you name it. And yet, I would venture to say that the most important element of the restaurant in terms of ambience are the, are the servers, are the people who are walking through the restaurant, setting the tone, smiling, frowning, uh, grimacing, uh, and that's what that's what the guest is going to remember. Mm-hmm. They're not. Maybe they'll remember that incredible chandelier in your lobby, but I guarantee they're going to. They will remember the hostess. Did she smile when I walked in? When she was on the phone and, and multitasking, what could could she handle that and also handle me? Mm-hmm. 
I love it, man. Awesome stuff. So we have gotten this interview off to a good start. You shared your story of success and how your it factor really shone through. Now I just need to find out a time. I need to tap into a story of yours where you just fell hard on your ass, Michael. And tell me how you got back up from this failure. Boy. Well, restaurant specific, I don't know that I have a really good one here. Uh well, I'll tell you what, Michael. How about you tell me a time where you were dealing with the table and it just went south? Something you did, something where you went wrong, uh, and just talk about like a service failure where like a guest wasn't happy. And I mean, take us through the moment how you felt and what happened. And you've got to have some just some oh, war yeah. stories, man. So I had this table once. Um, it was this a very old woman who was crippled had issues with her jaw, couldn't chew. I mean, she was just like, just a hot mess. Mm. And her family would bring her in um, every Sunday to this restaurant where I was waiting tables. And nobody wanted to wait on her. I mean, nobody. The manager didn't like her. People would kind of scurry into the back area when she would walk through the door. (laughs) And it just kind of fell into my lap. And I connected with this woman on, on this, this level that I, I, I can't really describe. I just sort of saw through all of, all of that straight into her and, and recognized this was a person who I'm sure one part, one point in her life was thriving and happy, but she, you know, she, she was going through some tough times. So, um, one particular time when she came in, you know, she, she always wanted to have her fish poached in, in butter in a big bowl of ketchup. And this was in a fine dining upscale restaurant. So you can imagine the the reaction of the chef. I mean, the thing that she was asking for wasn't even on the menu. Mm. And and it was a six top. It was always a six top on top of that. So it was, you know, there were other things going on at the table that required like execution around this lousy piece of fish that we were butter poaching with a bowl of ketchup. And to make a long story short, this she came in for four years every Sunday. And I became her waiter. And uh, when she finally passed away about five years ago, I was invited to the funeral. And they, um, her, her, her daughter stood up in front of this huge group of people and basically read a story that she wrote about coming into to this restaurant and the experience of, of m- m- me being their waiter and the opportunity that it had for them to all visit with her and, and to see her relax for maybe, you know, the only time they got to see her relax was when she came into the restaurant and was taken care of. Mm. And it just, um, it showed me how important it is to, to drop all, all sense of ego and all sense of what, you know, what, what my needs are and to just be available for this, you know, for a family or for a couple on date night, to just be there for them and to facilitate an experience where they can connect because, you know, this was the highlight of, of their relationship, you know, was to come in, have dinner with Nana, you and know, how did that make you feel Michael, knowing that you had such an influence, such an impact on this, the, the life of this woman and her family. I mean, there were, I mean, I can only imagine, take us through that experience of hearing them talk about that experience during a funeral. Well, it was it was hugely touching. I mean, she had a she had a grandson who was my age, um, who would often come to dinner with them, and um, 
you know, he would often shoot me looks like, wow, man, you know, I, I, cause I could tell that he loved his grandmother. And whenever they would come in, he would walk her in and out and, and take great care with her. And I was doing the same for him and for her when he wasn't there. So mm-hmm. I was like an extension of that. I just feel, man, I mean, restaurant work, people, food, it's such a powerful, powerful realm. It really is. Mm, for sure. And when you get past, you know, the filling of water and the rattling off of specials and, you know, when you get past all of that and you get into the, the human part, the connection part, that's where the, that's where the, the magic happens. That's where all the juice is. Mm. And for, for lifelong servers, for people that are hooked into this line of work, it, it, it gives you goosebumps. It feeds you. It feeds your soul. Um, it restores your, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, your, your faith in humanity. <laughs> no, I, I totally get what you're saying. This is an incredible story and just a really impactful story. But I'm curious, like, where do you think your failure was along this line? Because I'm having trouble picking up on that failure. Was it maybe the early on phase where you kind of, uh, you know, were maybe avoiding this person or maybe you didn't give it, like, you didn't dive into it earlier or maybe earlier than you should have? I'm kind of lost. Yeah, I mean, let me see if I can answer this a bit creatively. I think my failure was... Right, waiting too long to be that type of server mm-hmm. because so many people around me, uh, whether it was management or fellow servers, resist that sort of connection with the table. You know, you know, we all kind of fall into the trap of profiling guests, of of thinking that they're going to be one way when they actually aren't, of not opening up to the experience of really being there for them. And I, early on in my career, I think I fell fell prey to that, and and I. I stayed too negative for too long and I didn't allow myself to really be, um, the, the type of server that I, that I try to be now in moving forward. Um, I, I remember, uh, this is a little off topic, but there was a POS system that we used in this restaurant in San Francisco. Um, squirrel. I don't know if any of your, of yeah, your I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah. And it was a very touchy system, and you had to use a card. You had to swipe your card to get it going. And I remember at the height of service, sometimes I would be so flustered or so angry that I would swipe too hard or I would touch the screen too, and <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't work. I've, and, I've punched a monitor touchscreen before and shattered it. So I, <laughs> That's like a $3,000 mistake, by the way. Yeah, I paid for it. <laughs> Those things aren't cheap. So I guess, I guess what, I'm getting, what I'm trying to get to here is that uh, my biggest failure were the years where I, I was just too I – wasn't, I wasn't settled during the shift. And I would allow my, my feelings to get the best of me. And everything around you, you know, functions at a, at a much lower capacity, whether it's, you know, your ability to get the kitchen to do what you need, your ability to get the technology around you to, to work properly. You know, how many times have we shattered a wine glass oh, because yeah. polishing it too hard? <laughs> it happened last night. It was funny. Uh, in the middle of the story, one of the people I was working with was telling me about how irritated they were, and she broke the glass in the middle of the sentence. Oh, man. That's awesome. Sorry. Keep going. No worries. Um, and then finally, maybe, uh, again, I don't know if this is exactly a failure or not, but one of my big pet peeves is um, uh, the, the tone of lineup, you know, the pre-shift meeting and how oftentimes uh, 
here you have this opportunity to get your staff all together. You're going to go, you're going into service and either a manager or somebody on the staff decides to use that time to bring up something that's, that's like, like a huge theme that's negative, that needs a lot of, that needs more conversation to, to resolve. And yet that's, that's the thing that you bring up in lineup and it brings everybody's energy down and it makes it so difficult to go out onto the floor. I wish that I had, you know, spoken up sooner and earlier in my career to save my fellow coworkers from those moments. <laughs> we all get up, we grumble, we go off. That's the time when you really need to pull everyone together and get them on the same page. I love it, man. You have been an incredible guest this first half of the interview, and we are ready to dive into the bombs of knowledge where you're just going to drop some restaurant industry knowledge bombs on us. Are you ready for this? Kabam. All right, let's do it. All right, the first question I have for you is on the topic of getting that initial capital and just finding the money to get started. I mean, you've been in the industry for 22 years. What have you seen some of the people you work for uh, do? What advice do you have for us or maybe a direction you can send us to learn more? Yeah, I mean, this really isn't my my wheelhouse. This isn't really where where I've been focused in my career. But I would say it's very important to, um, to test your concept. To There's something called the Lean Startup. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, Eric Reese. Yeah, awesome book. So idea value, you know, validation. So obviously know your market. I mean, if you have a great concept that works really well somewhere and then you decide to, to duplicate that somewhere else, you need to make sure that the success factors that are there in that, in that initial location translate well to the next location. And so to whatever extent you can, um, you know, test your idea. I mean, it makes no sense to move into a high rent space to invest all of that capital, all of that time without knowing on some level, somehow will this idea translate well. And I've seen a lot of restaurants um, fail because they thought, well, what, what succeeded in San Francisco, it surely it'll, it'll succeed, you know, 30 minutes down the, down the peninsula. No, Mm. it yeah, at the very least, get that like core group of people. And this this also comes from that book, The Lean Startup, to be the the ones that you just bounce questions off of and, and listen to what they have to say. I mean, get a good number of people that you just talk to. There's tools you can use today, surveying tools you can use today, and always be pivoting, always be learning and adapting as you go. Um, great book, awesome mention. I'm happy you you shared it. Is there anything else you want to mention in this question? Yeah, I mean, just don't get too emotionally attached to your concept and be willing, like you said, to pivot mm-hmm. and, and to recognize that while passion is such a huge part of this industry, you got to be practical as well. Awesome. Great. Yeah. I love it, man. A uh, cool tool that just popped into my head, a great tool to survey your guests is called HUM. I don't know if you've heard of HUM, Michael, but it's just a great way to, when you present the check, they open it up. There's a survey right there. You can ask those just very basic questions about the, the experience, what they liked, what they didn't like, what could be faster, what they liked with their guests. I mean, you should always be collecting information and data, and that's one way you can do it right there. So, um, Sounds Awesome. Cool. Yeah, man, the next question I have for you is on the topic of hiring. I mean, what are you looking for? How do you hire? I don't know if you're a part of the hiring process uh, where you've worked, but, I mean, what do you think we should be looking for? Well, I would say, you know, don't be in a rush. I think a lot of times when uh, rest, especially with servers, when re- when um, management and restaurants are hiring new service staff or trying to replace somebody who's just quit, there's this sense of urgency that um, kind of clouds the interviewing process. So obviously check people's references 
and and don't be swayed necessarily by by what you see in an interview. I mean, to whatever extent possible, maybe have that person uh, shadow or stage for a couple of shifts and really use the, that initial 90 days of probationary uh, period in the hiring process to vet, to, to get to know an employee before you really commit to them. I just, um, one bad apple can upset the cart. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. and especially with the front of the house, I mean, the chemistry is, is critical to the success of the, of the restaurant and for the, the morale and the happiness of the staff. And I've seen, I've been a part of, of restaurants that have hired someone who's just totally shifted the balance, shifted the energy. I keep saying the word energy over and over again, but it's it's hugely important. It really is, and I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, I think I'm experiencing that right now in the restaurant I'm working at. We had created all this side work, like a, a sheet to sign up for side work, and you're starting to see those, you know, those real, like, go-getters just coming out and just having their initials next to everything but they they will only work like that for so long until those people who don't do any of the work uh you know just ask to get cut and it's just like you know that person they're only going to work so hard for so long before they just say what the hell so and so is not working as hard as i am why am i working this hard so you have to move those bad eggs out i hear you man yep awesome stuff so once you find these incredible people do you find the people with the right energy how do you keep them on the team I think you need to trust them and get out of their way, mm. especially when you find a really, really exceptional server. Um, I think you can you can you can burden your staff by having too many policies and rules and 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 so much structure that it feels stifling. I think when you when you have a really great person on your staff, a expand their role, give them something more. Like find out what they're passionate about. I mean, in mm. my case. With that restaurant opening, you know, here I had this skill set that was comp- – that didn't come out in the interview. They didn't know that I, you know, uh, could do social media or that I had a knack for food photography. You know, that was uncovered and I, I shared that with them and then they they were able to capitalize on that. So you might have to dig a little bit deeper when you when you hire someone. Ask them, you know, what else, what else do you do? What else are you passionate about that could possibly be – of use to us in this mm-hmm. and there's so many things that happen beneath the surface at a restaurant so many little odd jobs here and there and you can really leverage the the those unique skill sets that people bring to your operation by just asking the questions what do you love what are you good at and when you tap into those special unique skills uh it's gonna by letting these people ex- do those things it's really gonna tap into their higher needs of just being like Feel like they contribute in a special way that only they can contribute, and it, it lights them up. Absolutely. Oh yeah, man, awesome stuff. Uh, you have to check out Chip Connolly's The Peak. I think this is going to be a, a back and forth of you and me just sharing awesome books today. Oh, yeah, um, I love that you are well read. So yeah, uh, check out that book if you guys haven't heard of it. Peak. It talks about tapping into the higher needs. It's great stuff. So the next question I have for you, Michael, let's talk on the topic. Of, you know, since we're talking about. Uh, books actually. The next question is a resource. So, what are some books that you know of, or some online resources that you can share with us to help us? You know, the things that you use, the resources you've used. What I mean, what do you have for us? Well, I mean, obviously, Chip Conley um, from Joie de Vivre, The Rebel Rules. That was one of the first books that I read when I got into the hospitality industry. Um, Danny Meyer. I'm sure his name's going to come up in almost all of your interviews. Setting the table. Um, 
Tony Shea delivering happiness. He's from, uh, he's the founder and CEO of Zappos. But um, interesting story there. Zappos, are you familiar with Zappos? I no? am. I've heard that book. Yep. I've got to read it. It's been mentioned once before in the show. Uh, but- so check, yeah, check this out, man. They founded that company in San Francisco. But they were having such a difficult time um, hiring and retaining quality service, customer service people that he relocated to Las Vegas. Now, why do you think that he did that? <sighs> Just the, the what's Las Vegas? What, what are they known for? Casinos, uh, restaurants, a- activity, entertainment, hospitality. Hosp- yeah, exactly. I mean, UNLV Hospitality School. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the epicenter of the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. And so he relocated his company there, and they're thriving, and they're hiring people directly from the hospitality industry to serve. So that book, Delivering Happiness, um, what else do I have on my desk? Again, Primal Leadership from Daniel Goleman. Anything that Seth Godin has written, the guy's a mastermind. Gary Vaynerchuk. Man, uh, his- awesome stuff. Take one of these books you've shared with us. I mean, I have a few written down, whether it's The Rebel Rules, whether it's Delivering Happiness, Setting the Table, Primal Leadership. Take one of these books and share with us a master like takeaway from your experience reading this book. Yeah, let's see. Gary Vaynerchuk's Crush It. I mean, Crush It is all about identifying your passion and where you are in your life and figuring out a way to transition away from, uh, you know, if you're in some mon- mundane job, like, for example, if, if you're waiting tables and that's all you're doing, mm-hmm. Crush It is all about how to identify your passion, weave that into what you're – weave it, like not leave it, weave it into what you're doing and then kind of uh, blossom into that and transition into it. Mm. Awesome. I mean I, I keep on saying the same thing over and over again. It's live intentionally. Have a purpose. Wake up with a purpose. Write it down and just – like make that your purpose, just whole reason for being. And when you do that, I mean, it just brings so much more to your life. It's hard to do, especially yeah. in a day out. I mean, you're not going to experience, you know, uh, Nirvana at every, at every shift or in every moment, but as, as much as you possibly can, you know, make sure that what you're passionate about is somehow part of a part of your professional life. Mm, I love it, man. So great stuff. The next question is on the topic of marketing. And I'm really excited about this question because I know you're going to blow us away. I mean, what you do is you, you're a, a kind of a guru when it comes to service or the service industry and Facebook. So, I mean, I'll let you take it from here, but what do you have to share with us on this topic of marketing? Well, I got really lucky. Um, I, the restaurant that I helped open, uh, nearly five years ago, is located right in the like the the heart of Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and the the co-owner of that restaurant um, has a deep background in in marketing. She's my mentor. She was actually uh, Steve Jobs VP of Marketing at Next Computer for I think six oh, wow. years, and so she's no slouch. And when we started using Facebook five years ago, Facebook was just sort of emerging as a, a a viable marketing platform for small business. And so, you know, we started out back when it was all about amassing likes for your restaurant. Like how many likes could you get? Um, the reach on Facebook was massive. So if you, if you posted content, it was almost, um, assured to be seen by all of your, by all of your fans. Mm -hmm. And we just sort of grew with the platform and, you know, my, 
Swerver, my company, is a kind of a direct result of my work with her. And you know, the mod, our, our 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 logline or our um, tagline is um, "We serve social." I, I just can't even. I can't say enough about Facebook. I mean, it's kind of a love-hate relationship because the platform keeps changing and I, it forces you to continuously be adapting. But um, about three years ago, uh, when Facebook really pushed to get into small business, they recognized the restaurants that I was working with um, and, and, and directly contacted us and brought us in and, and sort of made us the poster child of uh, Facebook for small business and restaurants in the area. Okay. And we... We ended up actually working with them directly on on some of their early product uh, development. So, I mean, what advice do you have for us, though, Michael, on our own marketing uh, attempts, our own marketing campaigns in regards to Facebook and social media? What can you share with us today? Well, first of all, word of mouth more than more than actual you know dollars to cents marketing the word of mouth part of this is, is probably the the biggest component um the one of the restaurants that i work with the owner actually is present in the restaurant every night and she touches tables and you have no idea how big of an impact that has been on bringing in you know it's all about getting people into the seats, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, Jeffrey Summers, uh, you may have heard the name. He said the best social platform is your dining room floor. Yeah, I mean, to, to have the owner of a restaurant come to your table personally and touch the table and ask you, you know, how'd you hear about us or, you know, why, you know, what brought you here? And to, to share this, this story or behind an ingredient or a dish, that's, I mean, people are going to remember that first mm-hmm. and foremost. Um, and then I guess because Facebook is where I, I've been so focused, um, in order to uh, in order to be present and, and in order to be effective on that platform now, you need to be spending money. Mm-hmm. You need to be willing to invest some amount of money into Facebook uh, advertising. And then also, don't scrimp on your content. I can't tell you the number of Facebook pages that I follow for restaurants where – the food photography is being done by somebody you know who obviously doesn't understand lighting or angles, and it doesn't take much. I mean, the camera that I use to shoot all of my food photography is a four hundred dollar point and shoot camera. It's not some big DSLR that costs thousands of dollars. I didn't go to you know art school. I don't have a degree in photography, but I've just practiced. I've taken a lot of shots and. Can you can you share any resources with us, Michael, that you would have somebody go to to learn more about the basics of just you know taking simple pictures? Well, I'll, the number one the number one tool that I use that's really taught me a lot is a site called PicMonkey, and this is a, a startup that it it was formerly called Picnic. It was a Google startup. Google bought it, shut it down, and then the, the guys started up PicMonkey. And it's it's like Photoshop for for dummies, and it's it's extremely intuitive. It's simple to use. It's going to make any food shot you take look better. Um, what about Canva? Have you ever worked with Canva? I'm a, you know that's the one that Guy Kawasaki is kind of the brand evangelist for. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. I'm not. I have not used it. I'm sort of all in with PicMonkey, but Canva's great for adding text and um, adding uh, graphics to your photos. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, think about Facebook as, A, it's hands down the number one social media platform. It's where all the action is. So if you're going to use it, realize that you know a lot of your guests are on it. 
They're going to see your content in their newsfeed. And if you can be that, that brand um, that sticks out as they're scrolling through, uh, through offering, you know, incredible looking content, make your food look good. I mean, for God's sakes, don't take a picture of a dish with the flash on or in bad lighting. However, you can avoid that. Just yeah. put that extra. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it, it's funny because I was wondering where this, this conversation was going to go. I'll be honest, Michael, because I've when I first started this podcast, I wanted to learn more about social media and how to teach social media because I thought that might have been a good opportunity for me to learn more for myself, but just to help other people. And the more and more I'm learning, uh, I mean, social media has less to do with technicalities and more to do with just focusing on being really awesome because all you're doing with social media from what I've – and this is the easiest way I've learned how to explain it to people – is being great and shining a window or opening a window into your life and just capturing what's happening and being real and just tr- treating it like you would if you just wanted to, I don't know, just, I mean, do you want to pick up where I'm, do you understand what I'm yeah. saying here? Totally. I mean, in terms of marketing, right, what is more human than a social media platform that allows you to interact and engage with your guests and whoever's interacting with your content? I mean, you you can put thousands of dollars into having a billboard made and put on the side of the road, and you will never know how people feel about that piece of content. When you put something on Facebook, within seconds, within minutes, you have people responding. Mm-hmm. I mean, just go to go to a vibrant restaurant uh, uh, Facebook page, and you'll see. I mean, guests go, go crazy, especially when the content is great. So I guess my one word of advice is find somebody to do it that's awesome, that loves it, that has a great tone. That mm-hmm. loves to respond to people, be be consistent, and and re- be responsive. Don't um, when someone uh, comments on a Facebook post. This isn't this is going to sound obvious, but get back to them. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't, don't, I mean if somebody were to compliment you in, in the restaurant, if someone were to pull you aside and say, "This was the best meal I've had in a while." I mean, wouldn't you respond to that? You'd you think hope so. <laughs> you know, but what made it so great. How can how can we do it again for you know, whatever? Um yeah. Great stuff, man. So the next question I have to for you is um on the topic of different technologies you're using. If you could give us like an objective review on a service you use for maybe marketing, or maybe it's in the front of the house. I mean, what are some of the tools maybe you use for efficient social media and using leveraging the tools to be spending as little time as possible on social media? Well, again, I'm all in on Facebook, and Facebook has has developed and gotten so good at offering back-end analytics. I mean, the dashboard on Facebook is just incredible in terms of monitoring um, posts, ad spend. Uh, They have something called Insights where you're able to go in and actually look in real time at how a post is performing. Um, And to be honest, in terms of spending as as little time on, on social media, that's not really what I'm hired to do. I'm actually hired to spend more time on social media. Mm-hmm. Well, what are uh, some of the tools? Give us some, some of the examples you, you use to keep it all organized. Dropbox. Mm-hmm. Dropbox I use to uh, share. Okay, so what I, I'm focused on food photography, uh, Facebook, and that's really about it. Mm-hmm. And so the tools that I'm using are primarily Dropbox and Facebook. Tell, talk to us a little bit more about Dropbox. What is that? How do you use it? Well, that's just cloud storage for, for data and files. I mean, um, in my case, as a food photographer, being able to share that content with the client and, and 
in a way that they don't have to ask me, you know, for individual uh, uh, photo files. I mean, it's all right there for them to access. I mean, it's kind of a no brainer. Mm -hmm. Um, and then any of their content, they're able to share with me. So Yeah, I love it. I use Dropbox all the time. And just being able to have instant access to all those documents, not saying, oh, I'll send it to you later. Or, oh, like you can literally just pick up the app and forward documents to each other, give people access to your folders. Um, another one that works very similar is Google Drive is a great tool that I just started kind of playing around with too so make use of that technology for sure all right man uh the next question i have for you is what is your best business advice i mean if you can go back 22 years ago to when you're just getting started in the industry what's one piece of business advice you'd give to yourself just manage your expectations mm. know how to um look you're going to put an apron on you're going to you're going to serve people and that's going to do some really funny stuff to your head. Mm -hmm. You're going to wait on people that are much further along in their career than you are in terms of their financial uh, position, their stability, that their, their means. I mean, when somebody puts a black card down, a black American Express card down to pay for their bill, uh, you know, wildly successful. And, you know, your financial woes could be a rounding error for them when they're on vacation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense, but uh, when you are serving, you need to, to understand who you are in your life, what your goals are, where you want to be, and don't get caught up in, you know, where other people are. Mm. I, the, the table, uh, excuse me, the restaurant where I'm waiting tables right now is just a few blocks away from Sand Hill Road, which is the epicenter of venture capital in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people with ridiculous amounts of wealth. I wait on the CEOs of... LinkedIn, of Facebook, of you name it. It's like the titans of, of social media and technology come to the restaurant where I wait tables. Mm. They're doing a lot of the things that I would like to be doing. And so I have to, to really tell myself, uh, you know, don't get caught up in comparing where I am with where they are, with my, you know, my little, my little startup with its humble beginnings. Mm. Swerve. I mean, uh, I love it, man. But it's, I mean, think about where you are. You're surrounded by all these incredible people that can influence you to do something great. And you can either choose to be kind of frumpy about it, or you can choose to use that as an opportunity to get motivated, to bring it to the next level, to learn from these people. I mean, there's so much opportunity right at your fingertips and that must be super exciting for you. Oh yeah. I mean, to whatever extent I can, and I would recommend to other servers, you know, okay. First of all, find a restaurant to work in. If you can, that's, that's located somewhere close to, uh, you know, things that you're interested in. Oh yeah. I mean, if you're a passionate, if you're a painter or an artist, I mean, God be downtown, uh, and, and near some art district where you're going to be rubbing shoulders with other artists and what have you. In my case, it's again, being close to people that are doing in, incredible things in the, uh, the new media space. Awesome. Um, and, and, and just be great at what you're doing so that, you know, to whatever extent you can, you can network with them without being, you know, without compromising your position as a server, but, and great things will happen. Awesome stuff, Michael. Great. Thank you. So is there one question I could have asked you that you think would have brought more value to this interview? Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be cool to ask people, what are their, what are their pre and post shift rituals? All right. What's your pre and post shift ritual? So I have, well, I have three kids, three beautiful kids, a beautiful wife. I live 30 minutes away from, from the restaurant. And a lot of times, you know, uh, getting to work that, that 30 minutes that I have 
um, is like my, my time to like either listen to a podcast or kind of decompress from, from all of the, the rigors and, and responsibilities of being a family man and a dad. I use that 30 minutes to kind of get myself into a, a mental state where I can wait tables. Mm. So podcasting, listen to, you know, find some podcasts that, uh, that are, that are near and dear to your heart and things that you're interested in. What are some podcasts you recommend? So, uh, entrepreneur on fire, John Lee Dumas, obviously, um, Tim Ferriss, he's a, uh, he wrote the four hour work week. Mm-hmm. He has a great podcast. And then on my way home, I listen to some pretty goofy stuff like Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> um, it's pretty off the wall. So it's, it's more about like motivation and, um, like good, uh, build you up kind of stuff on the oh, way yeah. to work and then decompress have a good laugh. Maybe learn like a TED talk on the way home. Mm. I love it, man. All great stuff. I love TED talks. But I mean, it all think, I think it all just comes back to surrounding yourself with incredible people. We, we today live in this world where we can literally, they say you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. You can be, you can choose, you can pick and choose who you're going to surround yourself with by just listening to these audiobooks or podcasts or picking up just a, a old fashioned book and reading the, the text. Like, why so- wouldn't you do that? I don't like awesome device. I love it, man. These are all the questions I have for you. You've been incredible. We're going to wrap it up now, Michael. And we wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. Who's one restaurant professional, preferably an indie restaurant professional you admire and just think would make a great guest on the show. Yeah. You know, I just met this person. She's one of the newest servers in my restaurant. Um, her name is Laura lineback mm-hmm. and she is an artist, a painter, a sculptor, a performance artist, um, most recently she used Kickstarter. This is why she makes such a great interview. She successfully used Kickstarter to raise, God, I want to say maybe 50 or maybe $75,000 to, um, create, uh, this, this piece of art that now is in San Francisco. It's this giant heart. It's, there's something called the heart project and there's all these hearts all over the city. And she was commissioned to create one of these. Um, she's, she's a great spirit. She's a tender heart. She's someone with high emotional intelligence. She's the kind of person that in lineup will say something that's real, um, not afraid to, uh, to be, um, just to be available in that way to, to her guests and to the, to her coworkers. Awesome. And her name again was, uh, Laurel Lineback. Laura Lineback. Laura Lineback. I am coming after you. Uh, thank you for the recommendation and let the folks at home, uh, know how we can connect with you to learn more about Swerver to, uh, just pick up the conversation if they want to. Absolutely. You know, just thank you again for everyone who's listened in on this podcast and, you know, giving me an opportunity to, to share some thoughts. Um, my company is Swerver, Swerver like server, but with a W swerver.co and, uh, everything you need to know about what I do with Facebook for clients is available there. Awesome. The name is Michael Beesmeyer. Uh, yep. You can check that out, uh, com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, Beesmeyer, B-I-E-S-E-M-E-Y-E-R uh, will be the link. Uh, so awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Michael. Oh, You've yeah. been incredible. There's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Cheers. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thank you so much for joining us today. And Michael Biesmeyer, man, awesome guest. 
filled with positivity and just recognizes that power of positive energy and positive thinking and optimism especially in this industry and especially if you're trying to do something great in this industry so take that advice from him stay positive be optimistic uh he mentioned some great books that are totally worth checking out i'll have all those links in the show notes and uh the majority of these books are all in audio form uh so get one of these books for free simply by going to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable for a free trial and a free book uh at audible if you guys haven't experienced the power of audiobooks. I mean, you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously into listening to audio resources, check out audiobooks. Again, just check out restaurantunstoppable.com slash Michael Beesmeyer, and uh, you'll have the links all right there. And like always, please shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I'm always looking to connect with my listeners to find out who they think I should have on the show as guests, or maybe just give me a topic, and I'll do everything humanly possible to get an expert on the show uh, so we can learn together and uh, become unstoppable. Alright guys, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for hanging out and until next time, peace out.